podcast an actual play podcast detailing the mysteries explored and the exploits of agents working for thorn investigations a paranormal investigations company set up in edinburgh my name is danny and i am going to be acting as the keeper for this game we are going to be playing the monster of the week system which is part of the powered by the apocalypse games if you haven't had a chance to play them before they are great uh, they're a load of fun uh, essentially what happens is there is a keeper me and i'll be creating mysteries for the hunters the rest of the players to solve now the hunters in the game are based on archetypal characters that you would find in monster of the week style tv shows um and these archetypes are called playbooks now before we get into anything else i think it'd be worth them introducing themselves just the names and the playbooks for now we'll get more into the characters later on uh so here they are hi I'm Jay, and I will be playing uh, Evangeline Lane Fox, um, and I'll be going from the playbook of the Spellslinger. Hi, I'm Mikel. I will be playing uh, Peter Anderson, um, and taking from the playbook of the Monstrous. Hi, I'm Kelly, and I'll be playing Tabitha Thorne, and she is the Hex. Uh, I'm Tom, and I'll be playing Vera Bright, who is an expert. Now to learn a little bit more about the setting of our podcast. We will find our hunters and thorn investigations at the tail end of 1952 in September. While we will initially start off in Edinburgh, the mysteries the hunters will be investigating will take them across the UK. The country, just like the world, is healing at this time, with the scars of World War II still very obvious, not just across the people, but also across society. It's a place of healing, but it's also a place where people are trying to strive for more. Fashion, TV, film, music, all these exciting things are getting more exciting as the years go on. And people want to strive towards a light that is shining at the end of the tunnel, avoiding thinking about and running away from the darkness of the past. However, because this is not our world, and is in fact full of magic and mystery... The new light that people are striving towards has started to cast shadows that within things have started to lurk. Now, the hunters will have dealt with paranormal things in the past. How much so, you will find out as you listen. But rest assured, now that we are here and the mysteries I am going to give them will unfurl, they'll be dealing with a lot more. Now, before each mystery starts, we will be introducing each one with a bit of a dramatic intro. Think of this as the cold open for a TV show. These introductions will help you understand a bit about the mystery and also give you some clues about what the creature might be behind each one. Um, so without any further ado, I will let you listen to the first one. Laura opens her eyes. All about her is darkness, a 
thick smothering darkness that fills her lungs, blinds her, and restrains her in the cramped space she finds herself in. There is a pain in her head, a throbbing, spitting pain that she wishes would fade even if only a little. She tries to breathe, but can't. The weight of the darkness is pressed to her chest, and any attempts to breathe only worsen the crushing feeling. The taste of dirt and blood mix in her mouth and make her want to throw up. She needs to get out. Straining painfully, she manages to get her hands up and tries to scratch at the darkness. All she needs is one mouthful of pressure, a glimpse of sunlight. She isn't sure how long she keeps it up, but no, she doesn't stop until her fingernails are torn and her hands are left bloody. Her strength sapped, her arms go limp as her head continues to spin. The darkness was completely unbroken. There was nothing, nothing. She was going to die. She knew it. Help, she begs to the darkness. Help me. I can't see. I can't. As the darkness consumes her, she starts to hear something, something far off and yet so close. Music, maybe. She wasn't sure. She couldn't make it out and by the time she thought she heard it she was already being swallowed by the shadows that pressed down around her and was no more. Laura opens her eyes again. She's in her bedroom. Sitting up she reaches out and finds a bedside lamp. Its glow shines out dimly, the light catching on her old toys, casting eerie shadows across the room and up the walls. She breathes in deeply, holding her throat and taking time to make sure her heart rate dropped. She had the nightmare before, but, well, it always felt so real. She swung her legs over the side of the bed and stood up, walking slowly to the window. She could understand why she needed to look. She knew what the view would be, and yet, every time she had that dream, she felt compelled. There it was, as it always was. Knock Hill Farm. At one point, it was widely considered to be one of the finest farms in all the West Midlands, but now, well... Her mother and her lived in a cottage nearby. So nearby that when Laura looked out the window at it, she could almost make out the shape of Thomas Elliot within. She stared for a while as wisps of fog settled around the grounds of the farm, twisting between the trees in the orchard, lying low around the main barn and creeping towards the house like a hunter stalking its prey. And she told her mother the next morning that she'd had the nightmare again. She got the same response as usual. An uneasy silence. While her mother tried to figure out what to say, 
a mumbled comment about not worrying too much about it because it's only a dream and her trying to change the subject as quickly as possible. But when Laura pushed her, wanting some sort of help, she found herself wrapped up in a hug that she had not expected from her mother. She was held in that way for a while, until eventually her mother pulled away, promising that this time they were going to get some help. Laura smiled. Maybe she might get some answers. Lord knows she needed them. Before we get into the mystery, what we're going to do is um, introduce you to the characters um, for our uh, our podcast, The Hunters Working for Thorn Investigations. And how we're going to do that is going to have a little bit of an intro scene for each one of them. Um, and we'll start off far away from Knock Hill Farm. Um, we see the camera viewpoint flying across the countryside towards the uh, city of Edinburgh stretching out from new towns, uh, rigid, structured uh, streets to old towns, higgledy-piggledy, buildings that seem to be built on top of each other with very little order whatsoever. Zooming in further, we go towards the offices of Thorn Investigations, the uh, on the corner of Palmerston Place and Chester Street, in the new town west area of Edinburgh, and into a small apartment on the top floor of the, this building. Um, very few people live in this building. Only really members of the Thorne family live here. It is their home that was transferred into the offices for the investigations group. And so that is where we find Tabitha. Um, it is very early morning, Tabitha, with you. Um, and while you normally might be awake at this sort of time, um, right now you are still asleep. But you open your eyes and you find yourself um, in your room. But it's not your room in Thorn Investigations offices. It is your actual room in your home in London. And you know this isn't real. They know it's not real because this building doesn't exist anymore. But you find a comfort in being in the space that you recognize. And the hope that perhaps everything that's happened has been a dream. And this is reality. What uh, would Tabitha do in this moment? Um, not wanting to believe it too quickly, um, I'd pinch myself a couple of times, hard to make. You pinch yourself and you don't feel anything. <sighs> You've been here before, you know this dream. Um, and as you're sitting there, oh sorry, is there anything else you do? Yeah. Um, as you're sitting there, knowing that it's a dream, knowing that what's probably going to happen next doesn't matter because every time it surprises you, you hear a tapping. Just a gentle Can you know that it's coming from the front door? I 
try and rack my brains to think about a way that I can make this happen differently. So I try and open the window. The windows seal shut. The tapping continues. This time louder, more intense. The the person on the other side of your front door clearly wants in. Then I leave my bedroom and I close my parents. Are they in their bedroom? If you want to check, you can sit check if your parents are in your bedroom. I, I poke my head into their room first. Their room is made up neatly. There's nothing in there. And then I'll just shout, Mom, Dad. You hear your There's voice. There's a spider. <laughs> you hear your voice echo in a way that it shouldn't in your own home. Um, and you hear the tapping continue on the front door, on the glass of the front door. And now that you're here, now that you've shouted, you start to hear the very familiar sounds of air rage sirens going off. Can I hear Can I hear anyone else in the house? Are, they, are my parents downstairs or are they just not here? It's funny, it's, the space you're in right now has that quality of dreams where everything feels sort of muffled. Everything except your voice seems to echo on further than you can imagine it going and this continuous tapping that's now is becoming more of a thumping sound on your front door. Everything else feels like you've got something stuffed in your ears and it's filtering only your voice and this sound. Even the air raid sirens are muffled and in the distance. Right. I'm going to march downstairs. I'm going to open the door. You walk downstairs. And as you walk downstairs, the stairs seem to elongate and stretch. The There are more stairs than you remember. The staircase stretching on. And as you walk down, you get a clear view of your front door. It's a beautiful... Um, um, late Victorian style house in London and it's got this um, more modern door with the glass panelling uh, two sheets of glass panelling and the lampposts outside are um, casting a shadow against those windows those fogged, fogged windows and you see a hand up against the door um, with long fingernails that are making the tapping sound and as you walk down the stairs, eventually reaching the bottom, you find, you realize that the person behind the door is far taller than a person should be, the frame narrower than a person should be. And you get the sense of inhumanity about this creature there. You've never had experience of creatures like this before, and it is terrifying, but you know the dream. You go towards the door, but before you get there, your arm is caught and you turn. Who do you expect to see behind you that's stopping you going to the door? My dad. You turn to look at your father's face and you wake up. And you're in your apartment, top floor of the building that sits in the corner of Palmerston Place and Chester Street. 
you what's um for everyone who's listening what does tabitha look like as she's getting ready what's how does she look how does she feel um she feels uh that same fear she felt when she was 13 but also very frustrated that she can never get a proper look at who was behind the door um and she as she gets ready she's got um kind of uh curled bobbed hair that's very dark almost black um dark eyes and she's uh, going through her clothes picking out something a little bit fashionable but mostly demure and it's mostly all black or grey um, she settles on a classic turtleneck and um, yeah she takes a deep breath and makes a cup of tea um, and when uh, Tabitha has her breakfast does she normally have a tea and a breakfast with her family, those of her family that are still here, um, or does she have it on her own? I think she prefers to have it on her own, um, but she would never say no to an invitation, should it come from Annabelle. Or I think that's I think that's uh, fair. You have your aunt Annabelle um, has never. I think when you first moved into this building, might have asked you a few times, but then got the hint quite quickly that you didn't, that you prefer to eat on your own. Um, you get the idea that she also prefers to eat on her own as well. Um, but you are invited to have breakfast with your, with your grandmother this morning. Oh, wow. I have put my special pearls on. Oh, uh, one of um, your aunt's... Um, Your aunt, um, Assistant Margaret, comes to uh, tell you that Jean wants to have breakfast with you this morning. Um, and that she'll be in your breakfast room, which isn't very fancy. Um, it's in the small apartments above the offices, um, but it's a comfortable little space um, that you can have breakfast together. And when you get there, um, you first see that tea is already made. Tea, exactly how you like it. it's been played out on the seat across from your grandmother who um definitely looks a lot like your mother when you see look at your grandmother she's got this very striking appearance uh you get the impression when she was younger she was probably um very um would, would catch lots of people's eyes uh she's got a very sort of strong face um and she's got very very light blue eyes um which are very similar to your mother's and uh, she's dressed in a sort of demure way as well, probably with a lot of older fashion um, mixed in with it as well. And her hair is all, always up in a tight button above her head. Um, and she sort of gestures to the seat across the table from you. Um, Good morning. Morning, Tabitha. How are you doing? Oh, yes. Um, very well, thank you. How are you, Grandma? sips at her tea and she said I hope that you are sleeping better sometimes well we all have bad dreams and I uh, know for one that it is difficult to live out your days when your nights are so caught up in them 
she sort of puts a hand forward and yes, which you know she has this very um understanding approach with you. She's very um possibly I don't know if Tabitha would necessarily uh enjoy it, but she's very protective of Tabitha in a very sort of grandmotherly way, um, which is in stark contrast how Annabelle is, which is in very much a business like way, <laughs> protective of of Tabitha. Um and she says to you, um, I hope you don't mind having breakfast with me this morning. Um, it's just that I think today might be a bit of a big day for you. Um, and I wanted to make sure that you were um, that you were fed properly. Uh, when you eat on your own, there's no way to know that you're actually eating. Um, thank you very much for thinking of me, grandmother. I eat fine. I, how many times a day? Normally we do three, dear. Well, you know, you can do two and sometimes. Or one sometimes, Tabitha. Okay, sorry. It's just, you have to look after yourself. If, if we're going to expect to put a bit more pressure on you and things are going to get a lot more stressful, you need to be able to look after yourself, okay? Um. She sits up a bit straighter because she's an independent woman now. And she'll, what's for breakfast? Well, we've got eggs and soldiers. She takes a massive bite of the toast soldier. Okay. Um, and she's, after a while of having uh, breakfast with, with your grandmother, um, she allows you to leave and uh, do whatever you want with your morning. But she does, as you're leaving, say, your aunt is probably going to want to see you in about half an hour's time. Margaret's probably going to come and talk to you about it. Um, she will be wanting to ask you something pretty important. So maybe have a kind face on this morning when you speak to her. Very well, I will. Thank you for the tip. And you go. You have the rest of your morning. Um, next, we have um, across in Old Town, Edinburgh, cycling back in the day, um, um, in a uh, sort of a tenement building in Old Town, um, one of the very hickety piggledy looking ones. Um, very nice building, but um, it's the sort of the um, presence of it is taken away by a little bit by the hodgepodge of the other buildings around it. And the fact there is no structure to the buildings in Old Town in a very charming way. Um, in this apartment, the smell of toast wafts through the rooms. Um, and Vera, you wake up in the morning and uh, you know that Hetty's probably woken up just beating you just about a couple of minutes today. Um, normally it's one or other of you gets up, start making like the quick breakfast you have before you rush off to work. Um, but can you interest, uh, introduce us to your character and what she does in the morning as she gets up? Um, as Vera... Uh crawls out of bed um she's a quite a tall woman she's about five nine um she's fairly thin and has a 
a pointed face, um, and her hair is full of rollers, which she uh, fairly quickly and with a deft hand um, unpicks, letting down a, a, a fairly tight cascade of um, well-maintained curls. And as she starts putting on her um, suit jacket and skirt in a dark navy color, very reminiscent of the um, Wren uniform, which she is very familiar with uh, until a few years ago. Um, as she's shrugging it on, um, she's coming out of the bedroom um, and... Uh, her first stop is to head over to one of the aviaries, one of the bird cages, um, to feed um, the ringneck parakeet and make sure that they're all doing well. Yeah, you um, have this uh, sort of cacophony of sound that wakes you up is also all of your birds uh, waking up. To the mornings, the morning lights as well. So you have your ringtail parakeet. You can tell everyone else about your other birds. Two budgies and a pair of lovebirds. Um, all probably, well, they, a couple of them probably came over from um, Salon with Hetty. Um, are you worried about the upcoming exams or? Is there another reason you're up before me? I can't just sleep in every day, Vera. You know what? I have work to do as well. It might not be as interesting as yours sometimes. You see, she's wearing the um the white the white uniform that she wears the when she works at her dentist's office. Um and she sort of hands you a piece of toast. Um it's slathered with marmalade. Uh, she's recently gotten to spreads in a big way. Um, and so your cupboards are just full with preserves um, of different sorts. She is uh, getting really interested in. Um, and she said, of course, I'm worried about the exams. I just think it's important to get up and start your day right. And sometimes I also want to be up before you so I can rub it in your face a little bit. Uh, um, have you seen the papers this morning? Anything interesting? Mm, not too much. Um, there's they're opening another cinema. Um, in mm-hmm. yeah, um, it's it's you know it's there, there seem to be quite a few opening at the moment. Uh, how, who knows how long they'll last? Um, they, I mean, they say it's not in the newspapers, um, but uh, in the chat in the office is that. Um, Don Rivers is going to be releasing another album, another record. And, uh, well, I did get the last one for my birthday. My other one's coming up. So not that it's newsworthy, but if somebody was to, was thinking about a present for me, that would be good. If you know anybody who might be thinking about one. Subtle as ever, Hetty. Um, I'll put it on my extensive list of ideas for presents I have for you. Well, you know, it's never too late to have a bit more inspiration, Vera. Uh, no, and... no, no. Point taken. Point taken. Say no more. Uh, speaking of music, um, 
dancing this weekend? Well, I never turned down dancing, Vera, especially if it was with you. Um, oh, um, sorry, I did mean to say, um, one of the people from your office called um, uh, John, I think his name was. Um, he's uh, He said that he was doing fixings up on your truck, Vera. Yeah. And? Do you drive a truck now? Uh, I've driven much bigger than a truck, Hetty. Sure you have, but just... It's been a while, and I didn't think we were still driving trucks, Vera. We we spent a weekend driving around um, just outside uh, Columbus. Don't you remember? Vera, with the amount that we drank on that trip, I'm surprised you remember. Hmm. What did he have to say? Um, he just said that they were that he uh, done the repairs that you had asked for, and um, he had figured out how to do that last. Bit the um, you said there was something funny, something to do with the head gasket. I don't know anything about cars, Vera. Um, he said something about some. It was a funny word, uh, but he said it was difficult to do. Um, but he'd used the old books that you had offered him, and he'd sorted it out within it. It's it, I I didn't understand. He said something about. Oh, Sort of, he said, oob something, oobli. Um, ah, the oubliette, yes, good, good news, thank you. I, I, you say that word like it means anything, um, but that's great. Uh, anyway, I've got to go, but I love you, and I love you, you too. You have a very good day, you too. Um, I don't remember to, um, Oliver needs one of his, um, Nails trimming down this evening. You're oh, happy with that? You know how to excite me, Vera. Yes, yes, domestic life. Isn't it bliss? It's absolutely. Have a bliss. good day. I've left, I've, oh, and I've left your overalls um, by the door because I've covered them muck when you brought them back last time. Um, so they are clean, but just don't wear them in the house. Okay? You're an absolute doll, Hetty. She kisses you and she leaves. Is there anything else that Vera does in the morning before she heads off? No, I don't think so. Um, no, I think she's very keen to get in to see the finished truck. Yeah. So um, you you get dressed, you make your way across town. Um, it's, it's a pleasant walk onto um, the area of Edinburgh that the Thorn Investigation Building is situated. Um, and... Uh, you find yourself there and out the front of the building. Um, you see that a, a truck has been driven up. Your truck has been driven up. Um, you'll describe to everyone what your vehicle looks like. This is your haven as the expert. Um, so this is a um, uh, a large, dark green, uh, not quite military camo green but um a slightly more civilian style shade um uh albion um hd 55 six wheel lorry which has been fitted out with a, a large sort of boxed back um to accommodate uh, a whole host of interesting and useful bits of machinery and tools 
and an oubliette. Um, Do you want to describe to everyone what uh, how your oubliette works inside the truck? Oubliette being, for the expert, a it's a space which um, no magical magic or magical entities or monsters can get into or get out of, is the idea. Uh, so how well, does that work in your lorry? I know that I will need to um, uh, bring on the expertise of uh, our magic user um, to finish putting the various enchantments in place. Um, but I think it's a, essentially just a very, very robust cupboard <laughs> with multiple locks and like, it, it's big enough to sort of stand up in, but you couldn't really, like, you, you wouldn't be able to spend any time in there comfortably for any length of time. Yeah. Um, take that. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's probably big enough to get like a large person in, but like, beyond that yeah you'd struggle yeah no i love that um, okay um so as you you come up to the building you see uh your lorry parked outside your pride and joy uh since you're able to get it um since thorn investigations were able to uh acquire it for you and your uh your needs um out the backs of the uh back trap opens um and a sort of a very broad shouldered um slightly older probably about 40 um, years old um, man uh, hops out. He has uh, very sort of closely cropped hair um, and a sort of a, a thick sort of mustache. Um, he looks like he used to be blonde, but it's all going grey now a little bit. Um, it's like patches of it in his body, uh, on his uh, hair and his mustache. Um, and he is wearing a oh, just sort of like a he sort of pulls on a shirt over his vest that he was just wearing just now. Um, and it's all just covered in grease and muck. Um, and he has uh, overalls so tied at his waist. Um, as he jumps out, he come, he sees you and he goes, right, uh, Miss Bright is uh, sorted here. Um, he sort of he leans and he pulls out a, sort of a couple of old ancient tomes that you've given him to sort of construct to construct the oubliette um obviously it's not got all the enchantments it might need yet on it but it's got um the uh runes and any sort of magical inscribings that have been put on it he was able to uh, put them into the construction of it um and he sort of passes them over to you he says uh was there anything else you needed done with it? Uh, I sorted out. Uh, though it, it was a bit banged up, but uh, paint job's good if you like that, and uh, it's all in working order. Should be good to go. Oh, John, thank you so much. It looks considerably better than when you've when it first arrived. Um, we you haven't seen Eva yet this morning, have you? Uh, I think she might already be in the archives, um, but I am not sure. I've been stuck in there for most of the morning, uh, but I, you know, occasionally see people come in and out. I haven't seen her yet, though. Uh, did you need a hand with getting um, the lathe uh, up into the back, or did you manage to get that in by yourself? <laughs> I, uh, I think I managed getting it in. It's very kind of you, though. Um, and uh, he sort of wiping his hands. Yeah, I, I mean, it should be fine. I understand that you know how to make this thing go, um, but hopefully it'll 
run without breaking down the next few months. Well, the only thing we can do now is actually take it out and test it in the field. So I will let you know after we return from our first sortie. Uh, well, I'll get back to the yard. Uh, let me know if there's any repairs you need done. Uh, we've got a couple of other vehicles acquired, which uh, you can always use if you need a bit more space. Okay, good to know. Um, that roll of um, silver wire that I gave you, is that? did you leave that inside the oubliette? Uh, oh, ah, yeah, no. Um, no, it's, it's on the passenger seat. I haven't put it in there yet. Um, I didn't know exactly where to put it. Um, oh yeah, that's that's for that's for Eva. We'll um we'll sort that out. Thank you so much. All right. Okay. Um. Well, I I hope you and your driving library have a good time. Um. I'll see you soon. And he uh, sort of waves his hands. He goes off. Um. And he's picked up in a car nearby by another person who works in the yard. Um. And they head off. And you have time in your lorry to inspect it to go through it. Um, just wherever one and um, what um were the as your haven it's got particular specialities in your haven what have you got going on with your haven we have as you mentioned uh, a library this is a law library um which i think takes up most of the um front half of the main body uh, and the oubliette is probably in that section as well and then behind them um at the back we have a workshop full of there's a small mill and a lathe and a um a variety of other workshop equipment that can either fold out of the way or is miniaturized in some way to allow for it to fit in the back of a van um great so you have time in your lorry and um eventually head into the offices as well um and now we're going to cycle back a little bit um, to a. Um, I'll drive myself again. I will come to this. Um, it's early morning again, um, and we find ourselves in a um, wonderful penthouse-looking apartment. Um, there are open windows. The light streams in this cold September morning in Scotland um, and uh, Evangeline Lane Fox wakes up in her home um, what does Evangeline Lane Fox do in her morning and what does she look like well, she arrives possibly fresh in the morning um, her blonde hair muslin rollers but Maintaining a very natural, just a natural curl. Um, she'll, about five or six as she gets out of bed, her long satin nightgown draping along the floor as she heads towards um, a small side table and a stool. She dutifully sits on, picking up, almost in habit and calm nature, her violin. And slowly the sound of violin music begins to echo around her apartment. The open windows, the, the garden atrium, just carrying it around. She's never had complaints from a neighbour before, but um, 
shouldn't be around most of the day to listen to them. And uh, yeah, today is not a, a day where you get that, you don't get any complaints either because the area you're in seems to enjoy your music. It has a wafts around um, and out the windows. Um, it sort of mixes in with the uh, the songs of the, the songs that drift out of other people's windows. The people put records on, the radios come on. Uh, you have Nat King Cole, and you have um, singing, the music of singing in the rain starts coming out. Gene Kelly's dulcet tones um, it seem to blend in with your violin. And um, whenever you stop playing, it's as if the sound continues. Less of an echo or more just something continues the sound, just for a few seconds after you finish playing a note. Um, and for anybody else, it would just sound like a bit of an echo, but you know that things don't echo in your apartment as well. Um, and around that sort of time, um, as you're sort of getting up and you're having your morning. Um, firstly, you know that you have a house guest at the moment. Do you go and wake your house guest? I I do not right now. Um, I will. It's a very relaxed morning, and there's a lot of time before we head to work. She very leisurely will um, take her her morning tea, all grain, her milk. Um, uh, two pieces of toast, marmalade, lightly shredded, and we'll just. She sits there, and she's got the papers delivered, the newspapers, a couple of journals potentially from she's had um, shipped up from London, and she seems to take it in, pen, aside. She highlights and circles things that might be of interest to uh, Thorn Investigations, where she is the head archivist. Um, and then she. She will remember her house guest um, and will um, walk open, open up the uh, the kind of centralised column walk garden in the centre of her apartment and walk across to where um, her house guest was staying. And she was just non-intrusively, a light tap and will just kind of peer through the, the glass door to see if they are in or there is a sign of movement. Um, Megan, I'm going to give this up to you. Would Peter still be in the apartment or would he have already gone out? Oh, no, he was up long before. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Evangeline, you, you look through and as ever, I imagine, the room that Peter stays in is neat and tidy, but empty. And Evangeline pauses as she looks and she just gives a, a smile. And she'll go back to her morning very leisurely, um, preparing to get ready for the day. Um, she'll pick up um, from a small little tray she keeps on, on by the front, um, a, a small stack of the archives that she will have been delivered by Angus uh, the previous night. Um, and as she prepares for the day, she will review those as she does. Um, you see that um, the file that's been given to you from Angus was um, evidently a very old file from the old filing system um, that just has the word meteorolo meteorological meteorological events um, written on the front and then you see a small piece of paper that has been pinned to the front of the piece of uh, the folder uh, in Angus's handwriting on this um, says complete mess what Angus has written on it. 
um, and as you open the folder up, you see that there are files from years ago, files from weeks ago, um, and files from um, the files from weeks ago when you will have started doing things. But on looking back and in hindsight, you realize that the actual the rest of the folder behind, before these your stuff has not been correctly filed at all. Everything is just in any order. Uh, there is no um, circling. There's nothing. It's just the proper um, events have been put up. Um, there are also um, statements that people called in with. There are also newspaper clippings. It is a complete mess, like Angus has noted. Um, is there anything specific that Evangeline be looking for, or she's she's not she's really checking his work. Um, he was there. She was. He wasn't her hire. Um, and she does not trust that he doesn't follow the old ways. And as she looks through this very unorganized, unrecategorized file, a soft and gentle sigh will escape her lips, and she'll just pick up her pencil and she'll jot down a few notes, circle a few things, and she will collect her notes before she kind of gets ready for the day. Um, that's that's kind of her general morning in the apartment before she kind of heads out into the hustle and bustle to just head towards the investigations for the morning. You find yourself there um, after a very brief walk um, and you go head into the archives. The Thorn Investigations is a beautiful old building, a big Victorian style. Um, as you enter it, you see the central staircase that sort of spirals up the um, central sort of hallway foyer area um so it goes up around the walls up 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 three or four floors uh, the highest floor being the apartments um and the light in this room the light in the space there are electrical lights here but the main light comes from a large skylight directly above in the center of this staircase that shoots down and fills the space with a cold morning light um you go up to the second floor, that's where you know the archives are. Um, you go into your um you go into the archives, which uh, compared to the rest of the uh, buildings seem quite stuffy. Uh, there are just shelves and shelves and shelves and shelves of boxes and files and books and anything that has been collected um over the many years that Thorn Investigations has been working. Um and at a small desk um near the door that you enter in you see um, angus is currently uh sort of scouring through uh some newspaper clippings that have been sort of stored all together in one box and he just looks up at you and he's sort of i i don't know i honestly i i just they're all just of random things they're just newspaper clippings i don't get it this isn't a system Oh, Angus, dear, it's far too early in the morning for you to be so worked up. What have we said, my dear? I'd like you to just take a moment and take a breath with me. And she, as she kind of like wanders in, puts the, puts the folder down that she's going to give to him in a second, um, and then just kind of just looks towards him. Okay. Bye. Um... I'll have a cup of tea and maybe come back to it later on. Um, we've uh, got one statement in 
uh, it's probably nothing. Just a um, person up in uh, some storm watcher up in Yorkshire said that there was some funny storm a couple of months ago and they've been charting it and they haven't seen it again. So they just called up to say that there was a funny storm in Yorkshire um, that hasn't been seen since. So that's been my morning. Um, I'm going to go make myself a cup of tea and get back to my newspaper clippings that I can't wait to see again. And he gets up and he sort of puts it all down. Think of this as clippings and more as as nature's stories. <laughs> if I could see things like you for a second, I think I'd be much more calm. Um, but as things are, I will breathe. I will make myself a cup of tea. Would you like one? Yes, of course I would love one. Then I will make you one and I will come back and try not to scream. And while you do, and she'll hand her the meters, just a couple of notes. You did such a wonderful job. There's always room for improvement, my dear. And she'll hand him the file and she can see quite clearly there's a, a good three or four paragraphs of notes from her. Great. Grand, fantastic. And he takes the statement from the call this morning, just opens it up and just slaps it into the middle. And he's like, I'll look into this later. And he goes off and make a cup of tea. Um, is there anything else that Evangeline would do in the morning? Now she has the archive to herself or something. Oh, she will undoubtedly just uh, gloves off, coat off, hat off, making sure so she's kind of ready to work. And she's going to shut herself down and she'll open up whatever has been set as the next piece she needs to make sure she's archiving. She'll be looking through the reports from field agents, collating them into a file, making sure that the accounts are accurate. And um, as you go through this and you have similar morning that you've had with last last while, um, it feels like since you've been working here, uh, you can sort of put some of the files into hoaxes, you can put some of the files into um, natural phenomena and have explainable reasons behind them. Um, there's one or two things that come up as actually paranormal. They tend to be dealt with in the in the statements as well by the agents. And so you have a morning of going through this and it's a bit of a so the rigmarole of it there's it's very samey but it feels there might be a comfort in that for evangeline that it's just the same um and as you sit there and you're sitting in your office and there's the lights all around you you get a feeling something's watching just not threatening just something's watching like to look over your shoulder but you know well and good that it's not going to be something you can see I think she kind of just looks she'll absolutely put her fingers to the amulet which is kind of out of visible she has a little wry smile towards where she senses the presence and then just turns back to what she's doing And with that, we zoom back one more time. Um, 
Peter. Um, what does Peter do in the morning before Evangeline gets up? Um, Peter's brisk to get out of bed. Um, where he's on a pair of shorts, a simple vest, running shoes, and starts to run. And he runs, and he runs to the north of the city. And then when he reaches the coast, he picks a direction, usually based on the direction of the wind, which direction is the wind pushing, and he'll run in that direction, pushed along by the wind, and he'll keep running. Um, running along the coast, breathing in the fresh air, until he gets tired. Um, and some days he can run for an hour, some days he can run for two. Um, today he runs for a good hour before he decides to course his way back. Slightly cross-country, maybe not exactly the same way he went, darting in and out. It's not a simple run. He's very aware of his surroundings. He's always looking behind him, always looking before him. Until those moments when he's just lost in it, lost in the freedom as he runs and he runs. Um, most mornings he will go home and get ready, but today he has other business at the Institute. So he'll run to the Institute where he can then kind of have a shower and get ready for the day and go to his morning meeting. Um, and yeah, so you have clothes at the Institute. Everyone has sets of clothes. Um, and for Peter, who isn't necessarily, um, doesn't really mind that they are very practical clothes, um, they're perfect. And you have your shower, you get dressed, and you head over to the office of Albert Singer, who is the uh, resident zoologist um, who works for, for investigations. Um, you've had meetings with him in the past, um, and he's a, he's a perfectly nice man, um, but the meetings are can be tense because of the subject matter. Um, but there's always a sense it never wants them to be. It's just how things are with you and this conversation that you feel like you have to keep having. Um, as you head in, you see that his office is, um, it's, it's sort of like a library, his room. Um, there's a desk in the middle of it that he sits at, but um, around the walls are um, bookshelves that are just covered in books that from, um, some written in English, some written in German, some written in Austrian, um, all detailing different um, sort of the makeup of the animals and some leaning into paranormal and um, sort of the paranormal cryptids as well, um, mythology and folklore um, of creatures. Um, you see on any wall that isn't taken up by bookshelves are taken up by uh, sort of framed pictures and um, diagrams of um, so cryptozoology of animals that have been collected and dissected and pictures drawn of them and they are covering uh, the other walls. Um, as you enter, you see that he is already there. Um, he's um, pushing 60, Albert, now. Um, he is um, probably shorter than you, uh, put on a little bit of weight, but he is... Um, not an unattractive man, quite handsome in his own way. He has dark hair that's sort of, sort of a mane of uh, dark hair that's pushed back, has a salt and pepper going through it, um, and a very neat beard that comes up and around his face. Um, it's very, very thick hair, and um, a pair of very small spectacles as well that he wears. At the moment when you come in, he's taken off his suit jacket, but he wears this waistcoat and a 
watch on a chain. He's very, very well put together. Um, and he's going through a few books as you enter and he sees you and he says, oh, uh, Peter, have a seat. How are you doing today? Same as normal. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing fairly well, Peter. Um, I slept well last night, which is good. Um, I uh, hear that you're still doing running. It's good. Focuses the mind, gets you out there, well, gets you into the world. It's I agree. Good. It's it's a very good vocation to have. I think it's important to keep our bodies. Do you? You should think about doing it sometime. Work off some of that fat you picked up. <laughs> my my running days are behind me. I feel, Peter. I am uh, far more. I where I run is my mind. Um, I can tell. And <laughs> um, did you want a cup of tea or anything this morning, or are you fine? I think tea would be good. Tea. Albert makes very strong cups of tea. Um, and he comes over and he gives you your cup of tea and he sits behind his Thank desk. Um, now, I know that there is probably going to be a bit of a different meeting today, uh, Peter. I I know that you've done good work for the um, for Thorn Investigations so thus far, um, and I don't want to um, worry you, but I am concerned um that the situation you're going to be put into now might be a bit more risky so i wanted to have i wanted to have a little chat about it um i've only had a brief chat with annabelle this morning but she is interested in having you um become a permanent member of a uh group that she's putting together um I know that since you've been working here, you've been doing a bit of investigating, a bit of light work, um, heard up with different people every so now, every now and then. But she's interested in setting up a permanent group and is interested in putting you as part of that group. Um, and with that comes risks. Um, and I just wanted to go over some of the things we've talked about in the past and just make sure that you are um, comfortable with that idea. Um, okay, yeah. So, um, first of all, we just want to go through the uh, main things. So, can you please just for the reckoning takes out a pen um, and a book that every page just has the same stuff written on it, but he turns to a new page. And he says, um, can you please tell me what your name is? Um, Peter Friedrich Anderson. And where were you born, Peter? Brussels. And uh, where, where did you go to school? Brussels. And with a little bit of time in this wonderful place, studying in my youth, but these are the days that don't really count, do they? They get washed away. Same questions every time. None of this counts. None of it counts anymore. That's someone different. You know why we do uh, it. If you can keep a hold of yourself, that's what's important here. And the most important thing about keeping a hold of yourself is remembering who you are. 
if one day you come to me with different answers, then I'll start to worry. Well, I will keep you apprised of my happy persona. So yes, next question, next question. Um, actually, I wanted to do a bit of um, word association, if you don't mind. And remember, just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. We've done this before, so don't worry. Um, color. Black. Friend. Tamitha. Cage. Body. Fear. Always. Loss. Everything. Monster. Peter. Now, um, I know last time we talked, you hadn't, um, didn't really want to talk about the other side of you. Um, didn't want to associate with yourself, and I respect that. Um, I think what would be worth us doing is perhaps having a name or something we can talk about it by. Um, is there anything you feel comfortable calling that side of yourself that you want to avoid talking about? Sorry, I was zoned out for a second. Could you say that again? Your... The side that can occasionally become dangerous, Peter. When we talk about it, what do you wish for me to call it? Um, why does everything have to have a name? All these bloody books everywhere, and all of you trying to name everything. Um, I don't know. Just call it the other side. That's easier, isn't it? The other side. And he writes that down on his booklet. To give something a name, take something's power away. I know this might not mean much to you, Peter, but um, I know you have your own history that might make this difficult, but for a lot of people that is helpful, and you might find it helpful for you going forward to think of this as something with a name, something that is in the world that you can control that is what we want here we want peter to be able to control that side of yourself and understand that what happened to you means that you're not responsible for it but it would be better to have control over it does that make sense Yes. I'll have a think of a name. The other side works. That's what you prefer. Um, and he um, finishes his tea as you finish your tea. And he says, um, have you been spending much time out in the city or are you just spending time in 
Evangeline's apartment. Um, time spent here, time spent in the apartment, and um, that's kind of it. And not really much more. It's just, there can be lots of people outside sometimes, and sometimes it's just good to get a bit of space. Go for a run. Run's good, you know. If you go for a run, the wind behind your back, you get to kind of focus. And stand. I too don't enjoy crowds. I'm lucky with the name Night Singer. I don't stand out at too much, but I understand that crowds can be threatening in their own way. Well, they're not threatening. They're just filled with morons. Uh, morons can be threatening, but I understand. Um, Annabelle will want, want to speak with you, um, but I'm happy that we had a talk. How do, you, how do you feel about the idea of going out into the field on a more permanent basis? Um, I don't mind. They, they won't have a problem with me, will they? Well, as no, far as I'm aware, they are, um, you live with Evangeline, don't you? Yes. She like and... plays the violin really early every morning. Every single morning, you realize that. I did not realize that. I have to talk it's to her about it. Really irritating, but yeah, she's all right. I've spent time with her before. She helped me on the continent. That was good. Why her? Okay, that's good. She'll be there uh, as as long as she's willing to. I know she's very interested in staying in the archives, but well, we'll see. Um, and he sort of. Stands up his, and I will probably want to speak to you for the rest of it. I I don't want to get too much into it. I don't really know too much about it. Um, but if you are free after you come back from your assignment, I'd like to have another chat. Another chat if you like to do that. Yeah, we might need to do it in like a different room. Call this like a breakthrough, but this room feels very familiar and not a good kind of course no i understand um well uh we will not have any meetings in this room then mm. plenty of other rooms in the building to have meetings cool and i don't need to make friends with the people joe because i can't always like stop myself sometimes he looks down at your um at his notebook and sees where he wrote the word friend and that you associate Tabitha with that news. Uh well you, you if you feel comfortable making friends with them, of course, but obviously you don't feel like you need to. Good. Good because yeah, that's good. Good. Yeah, we'll talk when I get back. This is like this like the surrounding countryside or like further? Like further. I'll let Annabelle tell you about that. I don't know, honestly. It's just a more permanent basis on the field. Okay. Cool. Oh. Oh, wow. Um, he leads you out of the room and um and down towards uh Annabelle's office on uh, up towards Annabelle's office, um, which is on the third floor of the building. As you all come through the hallways of the one investigations one after another from your different um 
rooms, some coming from the archive, eventually coming from the archives, Tabitha coming from upstairs, uh, Peter coming from Albert's room and Vera coming from and outside. Um, you take in the sort of dark grandeur of this building. There are lots of rooms where people are having meetings, taking statements, um, but it's also very quiet. You get the impression that um, this is a building that work is done um, and but it's just not a lot of work because there isn't a lot to do um, because there, there aren't as much as you are hunting and investigating the paranormal um, there isn't a lot of paranormal stuff going on uh, unfortunately only every so often just like Evangeline sees in the archives something happens um, but it is few and far between um, and the most of the times when you get statements, they are easily disproven or easily understood by as natural causes that people just have recognized badly. Um, as you make your way to Annabelle's office on the third floor, um, you pass a large portrait on the wall um, of the founders of Thorn Investigations. You have um, uh, Sir Douglas Thorne, you have uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and you have uh, Jean Tabitha's grandmother, uh, wife of Sir Douglas. Um, Saturn is very demure, very uh, cold positioning of Jean being sat down, and the uh, the Sir Douglas and Sir Arthur standing behind her. Um, it's speaks for the coldness of the place that there are that the founders look sort of impassively on you as you go into Annabelle's office and the fact that Sir Douglas and Sir Arthur both very fervently believed in what you were going after um but as far as you're aware never actually saw anything themselves you head into Annabelle's room Nano's office is uh, probably the biggest office in the building. Um, there are her desk. There's her desk, obviously, and the space that she works. But there's also an area to sit where there's a table laid out where teas and coffees can be had. She could essentially live her whole life here. Um, the only thing that's missing is a bed. Um, and she, as far as Tabitha is aware, Animal does spell her, spend her whole life here. Um, and there's very little in terms of. Um, sort of familiar stuff in the room. There's very little decoration. Um, anything that's in here seems to be essential to be in here. Um, the only thing that you see, Tabitha, as you walk in, as you see, is every time you walk into Annabelle's office, is a small silver picture frame on her desk um, that in it is a picture of her sister, your mother. And that's the only thing she has in this room that has anything personal, any sort of personality to it. Um, as you see her, she turns as you enter, probably one by one. Um, I'll let you decide in your head the order in which you arrive. Um, when I uh, go in, though, I'm doing, I'm smiling. I'm attempt, I'm attempting what I think is a very um, amiable smile. Like, oh, oh yes. I like that. Maybe Tabitha's the first one in. Then, if she is just coming down from downstairs, um, and. She turns and sees you and she sort of gives a very small smile. Um, she looks a lot like your mother, um, Annabelle, but she looks far more like Sir Douglas than she does Jean. Um, she's got a sort of um, 
not very slight form. She's got very sort of broad uh, shoulders. She's um, could be an athlete. You get the impression she probably was very athletic when she was younger. Um, and like your grandmother, she does have her hair up in a bun at the moment. Um, but you know, she does let it down occasionally, but very occasionally, and only at night, only in the evenings <laughs> when she's going to bed. Um, and very, she wears very dark clothes, very uh, either basically black blues or just black. Um, and very sort of high collars and stuff with very simple decorations to her clothes. Um, and as you enter, she turns and says, Ah, Tabitha. Uh, Aunt nice to see you up. Yeah, always, bright and early. Take a seat. I um, sit down, I cross my ankles very proper. And um, as you do, Peter, Vera, Evangeline, one by one, you enter the office of... Um, of Annabelle, you've all been called here. Um, Peter, you are led to give out Albert. Um, Vera and Evangeline, you found your way here yourselves. Um, is there anything anyone does when you first enter? Give a very cordial greeting to Annabelle. Um, I sit down. I do have a small uh, journalistic notepad and pencil in hand as I sit down. Um, rest on my lap, flipped open, pencil waiting. Angeline, thank you very much for coming. Um, Vera, how was the lorry? John said he was working on it last night. And John has done a wonderful job. Um, I do have a small list of extra items we will need just to finish rounding it out. I've taken the liberty of writing up a, um, a list here and I pass her over a small purchase order for additional bits and pieces. She looks at it and she you just see her... She doesn't show that she gets tenser at the idea of spending more money on your lorry, um, but she, you get the impression she is. She goes through each individual item just very well. I'll uh, get Margaret to find, to price us up and I'll let you know what we can do. Thank you very much. She sort of folds it and puts it, puts it on her desk, um, neatly in line with other things on her desk. Uh, and she sort of looks over to you, Peter, and says, Peter, good morning. Um, good morning. Um, Peter would have positioned himself as far from her as possible on the table, but equally in a good position where he can watch the door as well as watch everyone else. Um, right. Well, I don't want to beat around the bush with this, so I'll get straight to the point. Um, I would like for you four to be a more permanent setup uh, working for Thorn Investigations. Um, I don't want to hear anything about the Tabitha, uh, but I feel like this group together would work well. And I have um, a thing, I have a case for you to go investigate straight away, if that's possible. I don't say, no, I'm asking if it's possible. You'll be doing it because it's your job. But um, if that suits all of you very well, I would like you all to work together in a group. Great. Thank you very much for all having fantastic opinions on it. Um, so um, 
the case in question, and she brings out a statement that has been called in, um, came in yesterday, and it was from um, the family of a man called Frank Harper. Now, I don't know if any of you know, knew of Frank, um, but he worked for Thorn Investigations a while ago, um, before the before the Second World War. And, um, well, he was here for a short while, but he, he was one of us, and um, he went off to the war, and he never came home. Uh, now, the family of Frank Harper were never really, um, we don't really have a widowing system here in Thorn Investigations. As much as I'm trying to set things up for that, um, there isn't much to that we can do to support them. Um, and for my own sins, much that we have done to support them up until this point. Um, however, the wife of Frank, Mary, has uh, got in touch with me and asked if I can help. Uh, apparently, their daughter, uh, Laura, has been having nightmares. Um, Mary doesn't really go into much of the detail, only to say that they are frightening um, and something that she is going more and more concerned about. Um, now, I'm sure you're all aware that dreams are are bread and butter, but they are also um, normally just based on trauma, especially bad dreams, the ones that Laura seems to be having. Um, so what I want for you all to do, essentially, for your first case, is to go and find out whether or not um, what Laura is going through is just trauma, um, so that you can put the family of somebody that worked for us at ease. Um, I don't expect anything to come from it, but if something does come from it, it'd be lo worth looking into. Um, I know that uh, Frank, his speciality when he's here, he had um, psychic uh, tendencies. Uh, that's why he became an asset for for investigations. So um, if his daughter's having dreams, nightmares, then they might there might be something behind it. That's all I'm saying. Um, uh, they live in a small cottage called um, Owl Cottage. It's in the West Midlands, um, near somewhere called Knock Hill Farm. You should be able to find it on a map. It's quite a big farm, as far as I'm aware. Um, and John, uh, now John's told me that you have a lorry, Vera. You should be able to get there quite quickly, I'm sure. Do you, you need any of this? And she taps on the list to drive your lorry. That is it? all... That can all wait, I assure you. It's good to go now, but for peak performance, we will want those items for, for the future. Fantastic. Peak performance. Sounds expensive. Um, right, well, um, let me know if there's anything else that you need, but uh, I'll uh, get Angus to find you a map to get you there, and uh, you'll get on your way. All right? Absolutely, thank you. Most wonderful. Thank you. Don't let me don't let me keep you. It's a long drive. And uh, she, as you're leaving, um, Evangeline, she 
cause over to you. Just, oh, eventually, can I just have a word before you go? Of course. Um, and just anyone else who waits as well should. Um, I'm sorry, I just want to talk to Evangeline. Are any of you called Evangeline? No. Okay, well then I'll see you later on then. Okay. Would you do me a great kindness while I, while I speak with your aunt? Would you ask Angus to get me um, um, an archive on wavelengths and a other map and tell him if he's dawdling to stop? He's very grumpy. Yes. Right. Um, wavelengths and a map. Okay. I suppose. And um Can I loiter by the door? <laughs> Annabelle closes the door. Um can I let's do I mean yeah, can we or just uh, do our first roll of the game, maybe? I would like from you, Tabitha. Act under pressure roll. Yeah, I thought you might say that. Okay. <laughs> Two sixes, uh, plus zero because. <laughs> you can linger by the door as much as you want, um, cool. and with twelve, yeah, you you hear what Annabelle says to Evangeline. Um, she Can't takes you, takes you by the arm, Evangeline, uh, and just says, um, "I'm sorry to take you out of your archives, Evangeline. You do very good work there, but I just wanted to um, have somebody that I." have somebody I know well and I know um, is capable to uh, look after certain people in the group that I'm sending out on this activity. I don't expect anything to come from it, but um, Tabitha is interested in pulling at threads and, and this excellent trait if you Wish for her to investigate mysteries. It's very good that she's going out, but sometimes there are threads that she shouldn't pull on, uh, just in terms of them being dangerous. Um, I'm sure you know how uh, dangerous magic can be sometimes, and Tamitha is want to get into dangerous positions. Um, and I'm allowing Peter to go along because Albert says he swears by him. But I want to have somebody who knows him there. Yes, but I also want somebody there who can who knows Peter as well and is perhaps aware of the situation. Vera is very capable, but um, when it comes to dealing with dangerous people like Peter, that can be sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, um, I want to have somebody else who can be capable, more capable. I to understand that you wish for me to be the zookeeper and nanny. Well, you said it, but I don't want you to feel like that's exactly what I'm doing here. Um, you are essential as well. 
Is it not epic, Al Darling? You have managed to pick something that you knew would pique my interest, so I could not resist but to go on as you requested. And then you lay this, this, this almost harmless request upon me, my dear. Of course I will look after him with him, and I will watch Peter, and I will assist Vera, my dear. But I will not do it because you asked me to. I will do it because this is the right thing to be doing when one is part of a team. Good, good. Well, uh, and she opens the doors. Uh, and, um, when I hear them coming, I'm run as fast as I can. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. Archive. That would be a mixed success. You would have gone. Um, so uh, you, the door is open and Tabitha's just got her out of the way. Um, and she says to Angeline, well, let me know how it goes. I look forward to seeing all of your statements when we return. We'll make sure the archive for our investigation is thorough and kept in the finest reading folder for your perusal. Thank you. Um, last time I went in there, I had a bit of a... I don't seem mental breakdown, but it was uh, stressful. And I've locked to Angerson for long enough now with you. And I feel like his hair's growing great. And the man's younger than I am. So um, it would be nice to have things in order there at some point soon. All things with time. And uh, she, not to you, um, and you head out now before you go. Um, is there anything that anyone would like to do now? Tabitha will go to the archives, go to Angus and get... Uh... I wouldn't bother <laughs> Angus, I'd just find it myself. <laughs> Tabitha goes and finds the uh, wave, Book on Lake Wavelengths and the map. <laughs> on her own um and um uh i will make you roll for that i feel like that's a you just get that you you know where the, the maps are and you could probably find a book on wavelengths um but actually you know what dude i want to roll i want to uh <laughs> i want to roll for this because i want to you find, you find bad <laughs> stuff um can i please have a um Oh, I just, it's just a basic one. Um, I just want a, uh, an act, we'll do another act under pressure. Ay, ay, ay. Because I feel like the most appropriate for you. Um, five, total. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, okay. Um, you get, you find a book, um, that is called Waves and Lengths. Yeah, that's it. Perfect. Fantastic. Ways and lengths. I don't care about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll see what, what it's about later on. Uh, but you, <laughs> for everyone who is listening, it's not wavelengths. Um, <laughs> but you bring that book to Evangeline. Um, uh, Vera, you go back out into the street. And as you get there, you see that um, Effie is uh, inspecting the lorry. Now, Effie is, um, for everyone listening, the... Uh, one of the heads of uh, Thorn Investigations working alongside Annabelle and Ab Albert. Um, her speci speciality uh, lies in um, engineering. She uh, invents small things as well. Her office is a, um, a kaleidoscope of mad things that work, she's certain. Um, but she's looking at your lorry just now and uh, she's got this sort of um, short, uh, bright red hair um, that's very sort of curly, uh, sort of, she's 
obviously uses like a thousand pins to try and keep it in some sort of order, but it is constantly sort of springing out. Um, and unlike anybody else who works in the office, she doesn't have sort of have the sort of way that she hides what she does best uh, in terms of what she wears. She just wears overalls all the time. Um, she does have like a, a neat little shirt underneath, but it is very much covered up by the overalls, which are covered in grease and paint and muck of some other sort. Um, and as she looks over and she sees you going, she says, hey, we've done a fine job here, Vera. Yes, I, I have to say, John didn't understand half of what he was installing last night. But um, that doesn't, I mean, John doesn't understand half the things he does for us. Um I mean, less than half, if I'm being honest. He's a wonderful pair of hands, and all of the work he's done, look, just look how this, nicely this whole section here folds out. It's exactly as you designed. I, I can't thank you enough. I, I can't I can't take all the credit for that, Vera. I mean, look, you were able to find someone to acquisition. It's, it's your beastie. Um, but uh, I'm just glad I can help. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, well, I'm, hope I'm hoping it'll be a home away from home now that I'm being sent away from your workshop. But Well, you know, it'll feel emptier without you in it. Um, but that reminds me, you're, you're, the camera at the top only really has space for two people. Um, so, I mean, it's not glamorous, but if there's four of you going out, um, I have been able to get a little beetle um, for you. The yard had one uh, spare. Um, like I said, it's not glamorous, but it does the job. Um, and she sort of points down the road and you see there's a little black Volkswagen Beetle sitting behind the lorry um, with a, this uh, Thorn Investigations written on one of the doors. Um, and she's, well, uh, that will be yours. You can have that. Um, you can use that as best as you want. Um, just don't crash it. Um, and at that point, people, the rest of the group start coming out um, onto the street. Um, what do you all think when you see the lorry and the wee car? I like the green, Vera. It looks claustrophobic. Something some of us really want to spend a lot of time spending inside of. I hope, yeah. Well, this is more oh, for me than you, Peter. That's good, because it's just very like this. You must have a lot of things crammed in there. Yes, more than you could possibly imagine. Speaking of which, Eva, I need in the back. Um, there's a roll of silver wire that uh, John left on the on the passenger seat at the front. Would you mind grabbing that, and we can finish off the oubliette? Well, let me. As Angela's come down, she's she's got two medium-sized suitcases in her hand. Well, hard, hard case suitcases. You can see there's little stamps across it from places she's travelled. And she's like, oh, um, perhaps you could find somewhere I could store these for our journey. She puts the cases down and starts heading towards the front to go get the wire. Oh, um, Tabitha, Peter, in the back of the workshop just here, this cupboard, uh, each of these small... Sections is for each of us as we are on our travels. So, Peter, your section is just here. Tabitha, yours is just above. Um, this is your space. You can store clothes, personal effects, whatever you want. This is extra luggage for you. 
Um, do you have a bag packed? Yes. No. But I... I have some things. Don't worry. I'll sort that out. I, I keep stuff here. It's fine. Okay. Because I, I just didn't drivers... bring it out now because you're going now then. Oh, no. We, we, we still have to prepare, but it's about a six, okay, maybe fine. seven hour drive, I think. So as, the sooner we get on the road, the better. In this wonderfully big vehicle. Okay, good, good. If you would like, um, Peter, there is the, there's a car just over there, which is also ours. Yeah. Um, I'm going in the van. I'm think... going to think about it. Okay. I put a normal size bag with a normal amount of clothes in my space with the cleanest green wellies you've ever seen. Like, they have never seen a speck of mud. I don't go outside, usually. And um, a little bit of time passes. You get yourself ready, but you pack up as much as you want to in the lorry. Um, how would we be splitting it? Just out of interest, who's driving the lorry and who's driving in the beetle? Vera is definitely going in the lorry. Whether or not she's driving it, she's happy to. But if somebody else prefers to drive, then she's happy being a passenger. I couldn't think of anyone better suited to driving than Vera. Um, Peter will definitely go in the van slash lorry. Um, he doesn't want to go in the VW Beetle. This is like a witch is worse. He's gone for the van, which looks mysteriously like a it just looks all a bit too military and everything for him. But the VW Beetle just feels like one step too far. Okay. So Vera and Peter in the lap in the lorry. Would you like to drive, Peter? Um I don't drive on this side of the road. Okay. I haven't driven since before. I haven't driven for a very long time. So you should do the driving. That sounds best, but um, we'll get you some hours in. It's easier than you think. A lorry. I'm not going to be a like. I'm not really a lorry person. So you you drove your big lorry. Okay. I'll sit here, and actually, this is bigger and better than that thing out there, and we can enjoy this. Um, there should be sandwiches in the glove compartment. Um. I don't see why we can't get on the road if you're ready. Oh, I want to go we with should... Rarity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it'd be very cramped in the passenger seat. <laughs> There's only really space for two people in the front. But I, you can I... squeeze in <laughs> if Tabitha's really keen to squeeze in. I think she, in her heart, she is. But when she sees, like, Peter's already, like, nested on the passenger seat, she... Um, very begrudgingly gets in the back of the beetle. I don't know. Peter's tucking into sandwiches. Crumbs like, already. He's open. <laughs> then there's a bit of a sandwich. He's looking a bit more comfortable now. Now he's settled So Evangeline and Tabitha in the beetle, and Vera and Peter in the lorry. Um, and you set off. Um, Edinburgh is a very busy place to Sorry, drive in. Before we set off, I, I, yes. I do need to finish oh. with this wire. 
Oh, yes, of course, you finish. Evangeline. What does it look like when Evangeline is working on you, Ben? <laughs> yes, yeah, so she's she's very much, she's, she's in, before she even touches anything, she's checked every rune and marking and carving and joining on this. John's yes. an incredible work. She's like, yes. And I will tell him so. She edits two things. And... <laughs> um, um, you watch, she'll take her, her gloves off and both gloves off, um, put them to one side, and she'll touch her uh, right hand to her amulet. And as she does, she pulls away her fingers, and you see almost like an iridescent strand kind of pull out, and she just like twists it around in her fingers, and it just dances there for a moment. She uses it to kind of activate the magic that was already within these runes, and you watch as almost like the string joins in and starts writing the runes again in magic and it seals round the door frame and then this is this little spark you feel comfortable doing this because you're in the back of the lorry um people won't be able to see you here doing this um you know that the investigations while they have a presence people know about them enough to know to contact them if something strange happens um you know that the maybe don't do music magic out in the wide open, but you're in the back of the lorry, so you feel comfortable. Um, and you're sitting there, you're doing your magic, and you um feel the sort of the shadows around you. You sit this sort of seam of light casts light around you, um, uh, but in the space that the shadows around you sit, um, they seem to be made darker by your light. Um, and it's almost as if there is, you get the feeling of something shifting, lots and lots of things shifting in those shadows. Um, again, it's not the ominous feeling that other people might feel. You're very calm, you're very used to this. But lots and lots of figures, lots of creatures moving, and lots of eyes opening up to watch you. But as you finish, they close and the darkness turns back to normal darkness. And Jubilee is ready. And from the back of the beetle, I'm looking at my watch line. <laughs> <Get out. laughs>